Welcome back, everyone, to 1001 Radio Days. This is your host, John Hagedorn. Here we feature mostly cop and detective shows, plus adventure, plus surprise. You never know, but it's the best from the golden age of radio. We'll guarantee that. For those of you who want non-stop crime buster and detective shows, you can now add 1001 Radio Crime Solvers to your podcast library. That's 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. Brand new for 2023 and growing fast. Enjoy! Ladies and gentlemen, the story you are about to hear is true. The names have been changed. Dragnet. You're a detective sergeant. You're assigned a homicide detail. You get a call to investigate unknown trouble. The caller gives no indication of what's wrong. Your job, check it out. It was Saturday, July 18th. It was warm in Los Angeles. We were working the day watch on a homicide detail. My partner's Frank Smith. The boss is Captain Warman. My name's Friday. We were on our way back from questioning a suspect, and it was 10.56 a.m. when I got back to our car. Unit 1K80. Did you get me a pack, too? Yeah, here you are. Thanks. Hey, Joe. Hmm? I wonder if you'd do me a favor. I just did. I bought you a pack of cigarettes. No. Something else. Yeah. Well, I've been thinking about taking a sergeant's exam. See if I can crack it this time. Yeah. I figure I got about six months before they're going to hold them again. Gives me plenty of time to get ready. It's a lot of work. I'm going to have to really hustle the books, you know. Yeah, I know. I talked to Faye about it last night. Got it all squared away. The in-laws aren't going to come out this year. That's what loused me up last year. It is, huh? Sure, Joe. You know our house. We had army cops all over the place, kids running around screaming. Nobody can study like that. You going to be able to work out the classes? Well, I'm going to have to. I can sure use the extra money. Faye and me'd like to do some work on the house. About the only way we can do it is try make sergeants. What do you want me to do? Well, I wonder if you kind of helped me out along the way. You made it. You tell me what to do and what to watch out for. Well, I'll do what I can for you, but there isn't anybody who can make it for you besides yourself. You know, yeah, I know that, but just as long as you're in my corner, old buddy, I'll be in your corner. <laughs> Attention all units. You better get the help. All units. At 5291 La Miranda Street, investigate unknown trouble. That's at 5291 La Miranda Street. Investigate unknown trouble. Car 11F93, take the call. Code 3, KMA367. This is Miranda now, isn't it here? Yeah, 6100 block. We must have just passed the place. I didn't see anything. Did you? Me either. It's code three. It's important. Make it you and we'll go back and check it out. All right. Should be up here on the right. Mm-hmm. 5800, a couple blocks up there. Right, take it easy. You should be in here. Yeah. It doesn't look like there's any trouble. Think this is it. You want to pull up? Yeah. At the back of the court, 5291. There's nothing going on. Yeah. Well, maybe I better verify that address, huh? Yeah. 1K80 to Control 1. Control 1 to 1K80, go ahead. Would you repeat the address on the call to La Miranda Street? Stand by, 1K80. See me? No. There's probably some kids having a time. Yeah. 
Control 1 to 180. That address is 5291 La Miranda. 5291 La Miranda. Roger, Control 1. 1K80, code 6 at that address. KMA 367. Well, this is it. Better check it out, huh? Mm. Well, there's nothing wrong here. Doesn't look like it, does it? Mm. There's somebody back there, Joe. See him at the window? Get down, Frank. How about it? I don't know. One thing's sure. Yeah. They didn't send for us. The five units of the court were arranged in the shape of a U. 5291 was the building at the far end. In the center, running between the two wings, was a grass area. Large palm trees were growing at either end, and there was a wrought iron table and four chairs in the center of the area. From what we could see of the building the shot had come from, the only door was the one facing us. Frank and I ducked over to the left side of the court to the unit occupied by the manager. We waited on the porch until the felony car that had been assigned to the call arrived. While the officers from the unit covered the house, Frank and I went to the manager's place and talked to him. He identified himself as Marshal Rice. He appeared to be nervous and upset. I don't know why it should be so tough. You get him out of there. That's all I care about. Just get him out. What'd you say the man's name was? Dudley Gray. You the one who called the police? Yeah, I called him right after he took the first shot. I wasn't going to wait around for no repeat performance. Mm -hmm. You have any idea why he's doing this? Only one that makes any sense. What's that? He's wigged. Sir? Flipville. He's gone straight up. Did you talk to him this morning? Yeah, I went back there about 8.30. Wanted to get some things straightened out. Then had a cup of coffee with him and Charlotte. Who's Charlotte? His wife. Real doll. She sure don't deserve to come up with a flip like him. How do you see him then? You mean when I talked to him? That's right. All right. I didn't notice anything. If I had, I'd have called you then instead of waiting for this to happen. And what'd you talk about? Well, different things. We've been planning on doing a little remodeling, you know, painting papers. Yeah. And Dudley's been helping me. Lost his job a couple of months ago. Since then, he's just been sitting around watching the TV. I'm doing a lick of work. So I asked him to give me a hand with a redecorating. Guy's already six weeks behind in his rent. Just go to show well, you try to be nice to a guy, try to give him a hand, what happens? He kicks you. He's no good. He's no good at all. You'll find out when he comes out. You'll see then. How long have they lived here? It's been a couple of years. You need the exact date they moved in? No, sir, not right now. Have you ever had any trouble with them before this? Nothing like this, that's for sure. But you have had trouble, huh? Well, sure. Just try to live together and not have a little beef now and then. What were the disagreements about? Different things. Sounds kind of silly when you talk about them. Well, it might help us get him out if we knew what caused this. Well, like, he likes one baseball team, I like another. He don't like to fish, I don't like to hunt, things like that. Lay them out in the sun, they just dry right up. Silly little thing. Anything else? Well, I guess I might as well tell you. You'll find out anyway. What's that? Oh, Dudley thought there was something between Charlotte and me. Of course, there wasn't, but you just couldn't convince him he was off base. Wasn't anything could convince him. He said something about that this morning, did he? Yeah, we were just sitting there talking about how he ought to help me out with a painting. Charlotte said he should. All of a sudden, he got this kind of wild look in his eye. Told me he knew all about me and his wife. That I wasn't fooling anybody. Well, we just sat there. He didn't know what to think. Uh -huh. Picked up his coffee cup and flung it across the room. Smashed it against the wall. Coffee all over the place. Streaming down the walls. Ruined the paint. Uh -huh. Told me to get out of the house and leave Charlotte alone. Said if he ever saw me talking to her again, he'd make me sorry I did. Well, what about his family now? Are they in the house? Pretty sure they ain't. Charlotte took the kids and left right after I did. I saw them walk out. You know where they went? Well, I can't help you there. Does he have any people or friends in the neighborhood here? Not that I ever heard. Got a sister down in National City, but I don't think she went there. Why say that? She didn't have no grips. She'd have gone there. She'd have taken clothes for the kids. Didn't have no grips when she left. Pretty sure she didn't go in National City. But you don't know where we can find her, huh? Not the least. 
Might have gone to a show till Dudley calms down. Yeah. How do you figure to get him to come out? Well, we try to talk to him first, to reason with him. That ain't gonna do it. He hasn't got any reason left to do a thing like this. Oh, well, we gotta try. You're gonna have to kill him. You just wait and see. That's the only way you're gonna get him out. Shoot the house full of holes and hope he gets in the middle. That's the only way. We hope so. You'll see. Something else you ought to know. Yeah, what's that? That gun he's got, the twenty-two rifle? Yeah. He's got a real thing about guns. Big collection. Rifles, pistols, automatics, a whole bunch of them. Yeah. And they all work. We got a description of Dudley Gray, and we called it into R&I. We found that he had no record in our files. We got in touch with Captain Lorman and filled him in. We requested that additional teams of men be dispatched with tear gas equipment and shotguns. The men from the felony unit covered the back of the house while Frank and I covered the front. All of the other tenants of the court were instructed to stay indoors. 11.14 a.m. With Frank standing by, I went up to the porch to try and talk to Gray. Gray? Gray, I want to talk to you. I got nothing to say to you. Why don't you put the gun down and come on out here? You try to take this place, I'll kill you all. No reason for that. I know who you are. You don't have to try to kid me. I know you. The police officers, Gray, we want to help you. Yeah, you don't have to lie. You just want me to open the gates and let you and the rest of the men here. Well, you go back and tell the chief I won't do it. All right, come on out here, Gray. Put the gun down. Let's talk it over. I'm telling you, I got nothing to say. Come sneaking around here trying to get me to let you in. As soon as you're inside, you burn the place down, run off all the horses. Run off what? Yeah, I chew the cage you want. Well, it won't work. Told you, I know who you are. You go tell the chief that it didn't work. Not one Indian's getting in here, not one. I'm going to defend this fort till the cavalry gets here. They'll show you. Division on the way right now. Gray, come on out here. We're on your side. We want to help you. That's a lie. You've got different clothes on, but I still recognize you. You were scouting around here last week. I remember. Now you get out of here. Come on, Gray. Give us a break. Let's talk it over. Joe. Right with you. What about it? I don't know. He thinks he's in a fort. Told me he thought I was an Indian. You heard him. Yeah, I heard. From what the landlord says, he can hold out in there as long as he wants. Yeah. Maybe if we could find his wife, we might be able to come up with the answer. All right, I'll check with the rest of the neighbors, see if they can tell us anything. Okay, I'll go on back and try to talk to him. Well, wait a minute. Take it easy, Joe. He sounds pretty sick. Yeah. Check the boys in the back, will you, and see if there's any way of getting to him from there. Right. I see you out there. I see you. Now, don't try anything. I'm ready for you. Sure you are, Gray. We couldn't put anything over on you. You bet you can. I'm too smart for you. How long do you think it'll be before the cavalry gets here, Gray? Should ride in a couple of days. Left Tucson. Day before yesterday. Should be here day after tomorrow. You're going to fix up the Indians then, won't you, Gray? Yeah, going to make them sorry they ever tried this. Gray, how about letting us fight on your side? We'd sure like to be with you. You mean that? Sure, we'd like to be with a smart fellow like you. I kidding. Nope. How can I know if I can trust you? Well, you can. I couldn't do anything that would hurt you. I suppose not. Okay, come on in. I can use somebody to watch if the Indians start using fire arrows. Come on in. Okay, I'll keep you covered. As soon as you get here, I'll take the bar off the gate. All right. Now hurry up. Them Indians see you. They'll be all in here. Want to open the gate? Wait till you get a little closer. Can't take any chances. Almost there, Gray. You better open the door. Yeah, just a little closer. Thought you go fool me. Well, it didn't work, did it? It didn't work. You found out. It didn't work. 
When Gray fired at me, I dropped to the ground while Frank and the other officers returned the fire, driving the man away from the window. 11.47 a.m., the additional men arrived from the office with tear gas equipment. It was distributed, and we worked out a plan to take Gray. It was decided that two men would cover the right side of the house while another team covered the back. Frank and I would go around to the left side and fire tear gas shells into the building until Gray had to leave. 11.58 a.m., all of the officers were in position, and Frank and I started to move in to use the tear gas gun. You just get out of that garden. Come on now, out. Would you get back in the house, please? We don't want to get hurt here. Then you'd just better get right out of my azaleas. You knock down one more bush and you're in trouble. You don't understand, ma'am. There's a man in that house and he's got a gun. I don't care about Mr. Gray. What he does is his own business. I'm just telling you to get out of my flowers. All year I've been worrying over trying to coax the blossom out of them. Now you come around here with your big feet and ruin it all. We're sorry about that, but we have to get Gray out of that house. Then do it without stepping all over my flowers. You're a cop. You're supposed to know how to handle things like this. And look what you've done to my two best begonias. Three months I've been working with them. Just put them out last week, and now look, they're all broken. You just ought to be ashamed of yourself, big men like you, doing a thing like this to my flowers. A shame. Look, ma'am, if we hurt your flowers, we're sorry. As you did. You think you better get inside now, lady? Are you telling me what to do? Yes, ma'am. That's a direct order? Yes, ma'am. All right. I'll go, but you just remember, you ordered me to go. You're going to hear about this young man. What's your number? What's the number on your badge? I intend to report you for this. You'll find out. Poor tuberous begonias. You'll find out. Now, what's your number? Thank you. want to handle it. Yeah. Come on, ma'am. We can talk right over here. Oh, you don't think you can soak me out of it. I'm going to cause a lot of trouble. A lot of it. Nothing you can do to stop me. If you'll just go on inside, well, I'll talk to you later. All right, but I'll be watching you. I'll be right here watching you. Well, there's one for you. Yeah. Well, let's get on this. Right. Think we'll need the mask? Well, we shouldn't out here. How's it look out front? It's all right. Glendo and LaMonica are out there. Yeah. Whenever you're ready. That should bring them out. I'll get another one ready. Better hold it up. Here comes McCready. Right. Hey, hold it up, Joe. What do you got, Jack? Just found out. Yeah. Gray's wife and kids are in there with him. Sergeant Jack McCready was standing by in the manager's office when Mrs. Gray had telephoned from the house. With the possibility that innocent people might be hit, we were unable to fire into the home. We met with Captain Warman and discussed the methods we could use to get the woman and children out of the place. We worked out a plan. It would depend entirely on being able to talk to Mrs. Gray and explain what we were trying to do. Frank and I went to the manager's place and put in a call to the house. How about it? It's just starting to ring. Figure it'll work? I don't know. The only way we can make it go is to talk to the woman, explain the setup to her. Did you get in touch with the office about the doctor? Yeah. They're sending a psychiatrist out. You might be able to talk to Gray. I hope so. Anything? No. Looks like we're in trouble. Yeah. She won't answer the phone. Listening to Dragnet, the authentic story of your police force in action. Without being able to talk to the woman, there was little chance that the plan for getting her and the children out of the house would work. 1.14 p.m., a large crowd of people had gathered on the street in front of the court. 
Additional policemen from Metro Division had to be called in to control them. From time to time, Dudley Gray would scream something at the bystanders and fire into the crowd. So far, we've been able to keep the curious citizens back far enough so that none of them were hurt, but it was only a matter of time before our luck ran out. Meanwhile, we were still faced with the problem of first getting the wife and children out of the house before we could attempt to take the man himself. 1.29 p.m. While Frank and Sergeant Jack McCready went around to the back of the house to ascertain the possibility of removing the family from that side, I again attempted to talk to Gray. Gray? Gray? Come on, Gray, we want to talk to you. I thought I killed you, Indian. Come on, Gray. We're police officers. We're trying to help you if you'll give us the chance. You expect me to believe that? The truth. No, that's what you say. I'll, I'll give you something. What's that? You better get out of here and take your friends with you. As soon as the cavalry gets here, you're all going to be in trouble. Now, come on, Gray. There isn't any cavalry. You're in Los Angeles. You're sick, Gray. We want to help you if you'll give us the chance. I don't need nothing from you. What about your wife and kids? Are you going to have them hurt? They're all right. Nothing's going to get to them. They're all right. They aren't going to stay that way with you shooting that gun. Well, you let me worry about it. They're my family. No concern of yours. They're mine. And you're going to have them killed, are you? Well, that's a lie. Why do you think I'm doing all this? It's for them, so they can get out of here. I want a bunch of Indians swarming all over the place. It's for them I'm doing it. It's kind of hard to buy, Gray. It's hard to see what you're trying to protect them from. Who do you think you are to tell me that? Don't you think I know what's going on? All the time sitting in here looking at you people trying to take things away from me. You don't think I know what's going on, huh? Well, you just save your breath. Save everything. I know what's right. I know it, and I'm doing it. Tell you what, we'll make a deal with you, Gray. What kind of deal can you make? Let your wife and kids come out. Let us take care of them. Give us a chance to prove that we're on your side. You can't catch me with that one again. You tried once before, and it didn't work, remember? You tried once before. We didn't cause you any trouble. I don't believe anything you say. Might as well save your breath. All you Indians are tricky. You're not fooling me. What about all the people out there in the street? Well, what about them? You want to hurt them, too? Be real honest with you. More than you got coming, but I'll be honest. All right. I don't much care. They're dumb enough to get caught in the middle of an Indian war. It's their tough luck. You've come close to shooting a couple of them, you know. Now tell them to go back to their homes. Leave the fighting to the men. Come on, Greg. Let's get together and talk things over out here. What do you say? Nothing doing. You get me out of the fort and you'll try something. I'm not falling for that. What? And what are you trying to do? I don't know what you're talking about, Gray. Don't try that with me. You're trying to break into the back of the place. Well, it won't work. I'll take care of you all. Joe, Joe, get out of there. All right. How about it? We're getting the gas equipment ready now. Yeah. We've got his family out. <laughs> I'd kept Gray busy in front of the house. Frank and Jack McCready had gone around to the rear. They'd found the room where Mrs. Gray and the children were hiding. By breaking a window, they'd been able to remove them from the house. The children were taken to one of the neighbors, and Mrs. Gray was waiting for me in the manager's place. Outside, the members of homicide detail were making preparations to get Dudley Gray out of the house. Thank God you got us out of there. I don't know how to tell you. It's all right now, Miss Gray. The children are out there. They're next door. Don't worry about it. What about Dudley? What are you going to do about him? Well, we're trying to get him to come out of the house. Going to have to shoot him? Well, that depends on how he wants it. Oh, he's sick, Sergeant. He, he doesn't know what he's doing. Sure, we know it, but your husband's in there taking pot shots at anybody who comes near him. Only a matter of time before somebody gets so close he can't miss. There's some way to get him to give up. You're a policeman. There have been things like this before. It seems like it'll be your job to get him out without hurting him. Well, we're trying. What caused this to happen? <laughs> 
lot of things, Sergeant. Well, Miss Gray, if we knew what's wrong with him, it might help. Could you give us some kind of an angle on him? I don't know how long it's been building. Maybe a year, maybe longer. It's hard to say. Try to take care of the family, keep it together. Sometimes you don't see the signs. Yes, ma'am. It might be my fault. I guess it is. Just all of a sudden, things got too heavy for him to carry. He lost his job. We couldn't pay the bills. Got so I wouldn't answer the phone because I knew it was somebody wanting their money. I try to take it easy, Miss Gray. He didn't have any way to get the pressure off. No way at all. It finally got him. All right, go ahead. You sure the children are all right? They're being taken care of. Yes, ma'am, they're fine. Are they having lunch? I couldn't fix them anything they haven't eaten since this morning. I'm sure they'll be fine. Alice is kind of picky with her food, needs coaxing to eat. They'll be all right, Miss Gray. Would you go on, please? Well, it finally broke this morning. Once it started, there wasn't anything we could do. Marshall came over. That's the manager? Yes, he came over to ask Dudley if he'd help with the painting. Mentioned that it'd be a way to pay some of the back rent. Didn't mean anything. Dudley just took it the wrong way. What's that? Marshall told him about the rent. I said it was nice of him to give Dudley the chance to make it up. I didn't mean anything by it. Yeah. Dudley got up from the table and went into the living room and turned on the television. Didn't say a word to me. Just got up and walked out. Uh-huh. Sat there watching a picture, one of those cowboy things. Just sat there and watched it. Yeah. Kids went in and tried to talk to him, so did I. Tried to bring him out of it. Didn't even know we were in the room, just sat there and looked at the picture. Has your husband ever been under the care of a doctor? You mean for his mind? That's right. No, I was afraid to ask him. I should have, but it just seemed that it didn't mean another bill that was causing all the trouble anyway. I told you I was trying to believe that it wasn't anything serious, that it would go away. Yeah. It's been better to have the bill. <laughs> anyway sat there for a while, then he just got up and walked to the closet, picked up the rifle and told me and the kids to get into the back bedroom. Said that they weren't going to take the place. Did you know what he meant? Well, no, not at first. I knew there was something wrong, but I didn't know it would be as bad as this. Is there anybody your husband's particularly fond of? Well, we've been married for eight years, Sergeant. I guess I could qualify. That is what I mean, ma'am. Is there anyone that he'd listen to? A friend, maybe a minister or a priest? No, any friends he had have gone. They didn't understand his moves. There, there isn't anybody. All right, Miss Green. Joe, see you, man. Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. We ran out of time. Huh? Gray just shot a cop. The officer was not seriously wounded. He was removed to Georgia Street Receiving Hospital for treatment. People in the adjoining units were evacuated. The streets were cleared as much as possible, and the men were in position to move in. Frank, Jack McCready, and I were opposite the front door of the house. From Mrs. Gray, we learned that her husband had several hundred rounds of ammunition for the rifle that he was using. In addition to this, he had several handguns and ample shells for them. She told us that the other guns were located in a closet in the rear of the place. It was decided to pour tear gas into the back windows and try to keep Gray away from the other guns. Frank was armed with a sawed-off shotgun loaded with double-off butts. McCready had a 45 caliber machine gun. The officers were in position and the signal was given. There go the gas gun. Yeah. They should be coming out pretty quick. Hope we can take them without killing them. We'll try. Gas is starting to come through the front windows. Go in. I quit. All right, throw the gun out, Gray. Throw the gun out. They won't do it. Come on, throw that gun out. Hey, hey, hey. He's down. Come on. He still got the gun. Is he dead? No. You better get an ambulance. I'll take care of him. Mm-hmm. Get 
dead. Did you kill him? No, ma'am. Oh, Dad. I should have known. I should have seen. He's going to be all right, Mrs. Gray. The doctor's on the way. He didn't know what he was doing. That's all. He didn't know what he was doing. Yes, ma'am. He knows we love him. That's all that counts. We love him and want to take care of him. He didn't think anybody cared for him. That's what was wrong. He just didn't know. Yes, ma'am. Maybe when he gets well, you know everybody wasn't against him. You know people care. Don't you think that's all that's wrong? I wouldn't know, ma'am, but he took the hard way to find out. The story you have just heard is true. The names were changed to protect the innocent. On August 26th, a preliminary hearing was held in the prison ward of the county hospital in and for the county of Los Angeles, state of California. Peter Gray was held to answer charges of assault with intent to commit murder. He was examined by three psychiatrists appointed by the court and found to be insane. He was confined to the state mental hospital at Camarillo for treatment. You have just heard Dragnet, the authentic story of your police force in action, and starring Jack Webb, a presentation of the United States Armed Forces Radio Service. Ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Ladies and gentlemen, the story you are about to hear is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. Dragnets. You're a detective sergeant. You're assigned a robbery detail. A holdup man has been hitting the banks in your city. After two months of following down leads, you get a possible identification. Your job? Check it out. It was Thursday, July 25th. It was warm in Los Angeles. We were working the day watch out a robbery detail. My partner's Frank Smith, the boss of Chief of Detectives Thad Brown. My name's Friday. We were on our way out from the office, and it was 10.42 a.m. when we got to 896 Duane Street. Front door. I'll get it again. This is nobody home. Yeah. You see in that window? No, can't see anybody moving around in there. No, let's try the back. All right. Around this way. Uh-huh. Hey, sure pretty, isn't it, Joe? What's that? Rose tree there. Bella Portugal. Sure pretty. What? Faye's got one started out by the back fence. Isn't that big, but we got roses on it already. What'd you call it? One of those Bella Portugal rose trees. Oh, uh-huh. I'll pick a couple for you. Bring them in the office. Well, thanks, Frank. I don't know what I'd do with them. Do you? Well, you can give them to Ann. She'd like them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I get it. See anybody? No, it looks like there's someone on the lawn chair over there, doesn't it? Huh. Miss Clark? Yes, who is it? Yeah, come on. You Miss Viola Clark? 
That's right. Police officers, Miss Clark. This is Frank Smith. My name is Friday. Well, how do you do? How do you do, ma'am? What can I do for you? We'd like to ask you a few questions. About Louie? Yes, ma'am. Well, would you mind talking inside? I'd rather the neighbors didn't know all my business. All right, fine. We can talk in there without anybody hearing. Yes, ma'am. Sure, a beautiful morning. Hot. Mm-hmm. We're planning a little trip down to the desert this weekend. Get some rest and a little sun. Yes, ma'am. I was trying to get a tan before then. Mm-hmm. Look, Ronnie. Thank you. Just go on through the kitchen. We can talk in the dining room. All right, thank you. I just feel funny going to a place where there's a swimming pool and sitting there without a tan, don't you? Yes, ma'am. Uh, well, I, I do, anyway. It makes me feel self-conscious, like. I see, ma'am. Uh, well, just go on in and sit down. I'll, I'll get us something cold to drink. No, that's all right, Miss Clark. Thank you. Oh, uh, how about you, Mr. Smith? Uh, no, ma'am. Well, I'm going to have something. Uh, Bill, that's my husband, brought me a case of that new kind of drink, you know, without any calories. Yes, ma'am. All kinds of flavors, supposed to be for people who are supposed to reduce. Of course, I don't really need it, just that Bill bought it and all. Mm-hmm. Sit down. Thank you. Now, what was it about Louis? He's your brother, is that right? Well, yes, actually, he's my half-brother. You see, his father died and our mother remarried. I see. He's my half-brother. When did you see him last? Oh, let's see. I guess it was before the trouble. I'd make it about ten years ago. Mm-hmm. You heard anything from him since? Oh, a couple of times. Different people have told me they saw Louie. He always sent his best. But you haven't talked to him, huh? Well, no, not in ten years. <laughs> Would you excuse me a minute? I forgot the bottle opener. Yes, ma'am. When Louis got into trouble, we sort of stopped seeing each other. I tried to write to him when he was in prison, little talky-talk letter, but they just seemed to separate us more. What was that again, ma'am? I didn't hear you. I, I said that I tried to write to him when he was in prison. Sort of a, a you know, a talky-talk letter, but, well, they just seemed to separate us more. I see. Did you see him when he was in prison? Oh, no. It was during the war, and I was pretty busy with other things. Uh-huh. <sighs> Bill, my husband, was overseas, and I was writing to him, sending him little things. Just never seemed to get around to seeing Louis. I... Oh, I thought about it, but just never quite seemed to get to it. It's a new flavor, pineapple pie, kind of tangy. You sure you don't want any? No, no, thank you. Oh, that's good. I, I've got some little crackers, low calorie. Would you like some of them? No, ma'am, thank you. Well, when Louie got out of jail, I heard he went back east, Salt Lake, I think, got a job with a paint store back there. Mm-hmm. Did pretty good. Something happened, though. He quit or got fired or something. Anyway, he came out here again. Do you have any idea where your brother might be staying? No. Last I heard, it was in some furnished room down on Pico. Would you have the address? I'm afraid not. Do you have any idea where we might be able to get it? Not the least. Uh-huh. What's he done this time? Well, it'll be better if we talk to him about it, ma'am. Well, it seems to me I'm his sister. You should be able to tell me. I'm certainly going to cooperate with you. I think it'd be better if we talk to him, though. That's the way you're going to handle it. There's not much I can do. Did your brother have any hobbies? Anything that he might try to work at? No, not that I can remember. Well, when he was a kid, I think he used to collect stamps, but then I guess every boy does that. Mostly, though, he used to read a lot. Always had his nose in a book. Mm -hmm. Had a big collection of those books you could buy in the five and dime. You know, the little thick ones. Yeah, I think I know what you mean. I guess he had just about every one that was ever published. There was a big thing with the kids in the neighborhood... Well, Louie had about a hundred, all different stories. He built a case for them out in the garage out of apple boxes. I remember that, out in the garage. Yes, ma'am. Had a library going, little cards and everything. Charged the kids two cents to read the book. Real going business. Mm -hmm. Oh, he was a funny kid. Always trying to figure out how to get somebody else to do the work for him. He'd say that if he had his way, he'd get what he wanted without really working for it. Wonder if being in jail made him change. If he still feels like that. Mm -hmm. That he can live the easy way. They still try. 
11.31 a.m., we left the house and continued checking out the friends and relatives of the suspect, Louis Rote. According to his book, he'd been arrested for the first time ten years previously on charges of 459 burglary, five counts. He'd been sentenced to San Quentin. He'd been released four years previously. On June 11th, he walked into a bank at the corner of Reservoir and Montana Streets and robbed the place of $1,180. He'd hit again on June 19th, July 12th, and July 23rd. In each instance, the victims were shown mug books, but they were unable to make a positive identification. On July 24th, we talked to a cab driver who had driven the suspect away from the latest holdup. He was able to give us an identification of the suspect, but when we checked the area where Rhode had left the cab, we were unable to come up with additional information. The other victims were shown Rhodes' picture, and all of them made a positive identification. Locals and APBs were gotten out on him, and all places he was known to frequent were checked. Still, we couldn't take him into custody. Two days passed while we looked for the suspect. On Friday, July 26th, the bank located on Hollywood Boulevard was held up for $1,800. The suspect matched the description of Rhodes. From one of the people in the vicinity, we got the number of the cab the suspect was supposed to have taken. We got in touch with the traffic manager of the cab company and got the name and stand number of the driver. 9.20 p.m. Frank and I drove out to see him. Car of Hollywood and Loma Linda? That's right. Bank near there. What time was it supposed to be? Well, the way we got it, about 5. Tonight? That's right. Gee, I don't recall the guy. Are you sure it was me? Well, we got the number of your cab. Well, you're pretty busy, David. Let me check the wave, though. All right. Let's take a look here. Yeah, yeah, here it is. Loman, Hollywood. Where'd you drop the fare off? 2,000 block on Sunset. That'd be near Echo Park? Yeah. Can you tell us anything about the man? No, like I told you, I've been pretty busy tonight. Well, it's pretty important. Well, what kind of things you want to know? Well, what did he say to you when he got into the cab? Oh, not much. Seems to me he just told me to drive right down Sunset, and then he'd tell me where to let him out. Was there anything about him that stood out? An accent, maybe? Scar, birthmark, anything like that? No, it doesn't seem to me that there was. I, I could only get a glimpse of him in the rearview mirror. He was kind of sitting off to one side. Kind of hard to see. You don't remember anything about him then, huh? No, nothing that helped. Did you say where he was going? Well, not that I remember. Just told me to drive right down Sunset until he told me to stop. When he got out of the cab, did you see where he went? I didn't notice. He said something about getting a drink and asked me if I could name a good bar for him. Did you? I couldn't. I don't know the neighborhood very well. I told him they were all probably pretty good. Did he seem drunk to you? Well, he had more than a couple. I can't tell you how many. You know, some guys can hold more than others without showing it. Yeah. Well, he was like that. Hard to tell how many he'd lifted. Uh Uh-huh. Say, something might help. I just thought of it. Yeah, what's that? He had a kind of a mole on his face right by his mouth. On which side, do you remember? Well, let me think now. I was looking at him in the mirror. It was on his left side. The mirror shows things on the side that... Uh... Yeah, yeah, it'd be on his left side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always get mixed up like that, you know. You know, when you look at a mirror, if you got something on the right side of your face, it's on the left side of the mirror. Yeah. Well, I was looking at him, so it'd be on the same side as I saw it. Yes, sir, it was the left side. Where was the mole? Right here, right by the upper lip. Not real big, so as you'd notice it right off. Yeah, I, I forgot about it until just now. And when he paid the cab bill, what did he use? You mean the size bill he gave me? Yeah. A 20. I think I got it right here. Real new. Yeah, yeah, here it is. He had a whole fistful of bills just like this, all brand new. Mm-hmm. I asked him if he was going on a trip. You know, people draw a lot of money out when they're going to take a trip. I figured maybe that's what he was going to do. What did he say? Well, he said he wasn't. He said he just made a withdrawal from the bank, but he said he wasn't going away. Well, he's wrong there. Huh? As soon as we find him, he is. cab driver identified Rote's mug shot, and at 10.08 p.m., Frank and I drove over to the 2000 block on Sunset Boulevard. We checked at several bars, but we were unable to find the suspect. One of the bartenders said he thought that a man answering Rote's description might have been in, but he couldn't be sure. 
In each of the places, we left our card, and we asked the owner or the bartender to notify us if the suspect should come in. 12.26 a.m., Frank and I checked back into the office. You want to check the book? I'll sign us out. All right. Anything? Yeah. You got a message here from Faye. Yeah? She wants you to stop by the drugstore and pick up a refill prescription for the baby. Oh, it says she's already called him. You just have to pick it up. Oh. Well, that blows the coffee huh? Well, I ought to get home anyway. I'd like to get a good night's sleep. All right. See you in the morning, old buddy. All right. You gonna have breakfast at home? Well, I don't know if Faye was up half the night with the kids. Might be better if I'd let her sleep. Well, why don't you meet me at that dairy place? Good deal. About seven, huh? That'll be fine with me. All right. Go on ahead. I'll get the lights, sir. Right. Hold on. I'll get it. Robbery Friday. Yes, sir? No, sir. We're the ones. How long ago was that? I see. Right away. What do you got? Bar out on Sunset. Yeah. Suspect's there now, tearing the place up. We left the city hall and we drove over to the bar on Sunset Boulevard. By the time we'd gotten there, a police unit had arrived and the disturbance was under control. The suspect had left the scene and a broadcast was put out to all cars in the area carrying his description and the description of the clothing he was wearing. When we walked into the bar, the bartender was sitting at one of the tables in the back of the place holding a stake to his left eye. The place itself was a mess. Bar stools were scattered over the floor. Tables were upended. The back bar was smashed, and the mirror that ran along the length of the bar itself was broken. Frank and I checked with the officers from the unit, and then we went back to talk to the bartender. Why didn't you guys tell me about him? Sir? Why didn't you tell me who he was? I didn't know. Look at this place. Look what he did. What started the fight? I don't know. Did you recognize him when he came in? No, right off. He sat down, ordered a drink. Next thing I know, the place is coming down around me. When did you know he was the man we were looking for? After he belted the fellow next to him. That's when I knew. Called you right away. You should have told me he was rough. You should have told me. Well, we told you not to try to take him yourself. But you didn't make a point of it. I just thought it was something you told everybody. Can you tell us what he said when he came in? We were having a nice night. Pretty good business. Sitting there watching the fights on the television. Nice and quiet. Pouring good. Looked like a good night for the till. Yeah. Door swings open and in comes this guy. I didn't pay any attention to him. Walked over and sat at the bar. Right there in the middle. Sat at the bar. Mm-hmm. Ordered a highball. He had a couple. I should have known right then. Had been in this business any time at all. You should be able to spot the ones here like they cause trouble. What did he ask for in the drink? Mm-hmm. Bourbon and ginger. I mixed it. Collected for it. And then went back to watching the fight. I had a little bet on it. I'd always take the white corner with one of the regulars. You know, a couple of bucks. Mm-hmm. I'm standing there watching the fight. All of a sudden, there's one going on in the room. This new guy and the fellow next to him. Going at it hot and heavy. All right, go on. This do any good, you know? What's that? Holding a stake on a black eye. Supposed to take swelling, huh? I wouldn't know, sir. Sure hope so. I laid a bottle on my cheek. Feels like he broke something. You want us to call a doctor for you? No, I'll check one later. Other cops asked me the same thing. I'm all right. Yes, sir. Would you like to go ahead with your story, please? Not much more to tell. place just seemed to explode. I jumped over the bar. I got a billy club in the back. Grabbed that and jumped over the bar and tried to get the two guys apart. They were throwing everything they could lay their hands on at each other. Well, look at the place. It'd be better if I just put a lock on the door and open up someplace else. It'd be easier. Just to be sure, would you take a look at these? He's just the man who caused the fight. Wait a minute. I can't see too good. Yeah, that's him. You're pretty sure, are you? Yeah, Louis wrote. That's the fellow. Well, this afternoon when we talked to you, you said you didn't know him. I didn't make much of an impression then. When I saw him in person, I remembered. Well, he was in here earlier then. Yeah, same guy. Did you hear him say anything at all that might help us find him? No, but you ought to talk to the guy you had to fight with. Yeah? He went to school with Rote. We got the name of the man the suspect had the fight with. 
We drove over to his home and talked to him. He explained that he'd been enrolled in a night class with Rote. We went on to say that they'd met at school and both of them were studying criminology at one of the colleges in the area. We got what information we could about Rote and then Frank and I went back to the office. We tried to contact the school, but we were not able to reach anyone who could check the registration records for us. The next morning, we called the head registrar and asked her to check the records in the college night extension courses for a Louis Rote. Thirty minutes later, she called back with the suspect's address. Frank and I left the office and drove out to the place, a two-story boarding house out on Adams Boulevard. Rote had moved, but he'd left a forwarding address. We drove over there and found that he was still registered. We got the number of the room. We went upstairs. Frank stood on one side of the door while I took the other. officers, you're under arrest. For what? Suspicion of robbery. How'd you get to me? We did. Can I get a coat? No, you tell us where it is. We'll get it for you. Closet over there. I'll get it. There's a bottle of aspirin in the pocket there. Make sure you don't drop it. Hangover I got, I'm going to need something. Yeah. Don't think I ever had a headache like this one. Terrible. Well, you better get used to it. Huh? They're going to get worse. show-up was arranged, and all of the victims of the hold-ups were present. They all gave positive identifications of Louis Rode as the man who'd held them up. A complaint was issued by the district attorney's office, and on the following Friday, August 2nd, a preliminary hearing was held in Division 34 of Municipal Court. Rote was bound over for the charges filed against him. September 2nd, at 10 a.m., the suspect pled guilty to robbery in the first degree, two counts. Rode asked for immediate sentence, and the judge complied with the request. He was sent to San Quentin, where he went through the clinic. On recommendation of the authorities at the prison, the board ordered him sent to the penitentiary at Chino, California. Seven months had passed since his arrest, and from what we heard, Rote was a model prisoner. During that time, we cleaned up a string of loan company holdups, and Frank's children had gone through the chicken pox and several types of virus. On Sunday, February 23rd, Frank and I were in the office trying to catch up on the detail work. You got the L.A. number on Lawrence Pachetti? Yeah, wait a minute. Here you are. One, six, eight, nine, four, seven. Six, eight, nine, four, seven. You sure a mean one. Yeah. Terrible what he did to that kid in there. Oh, man. Robbery Friday. Yeah, Savvy. Mm-hmm. When did it happen? Well, we know how he did it. All right, we'll check into it right away. No, no. Send it down, will you? Right. Bye. Teletype in from Chino. Yeah? Rote just broke out of jail. An immediate watch was put out on all the places Rote was known to frequent. All officers in the field were supplied with descriptions and pictures of the suspect. From the story as we got it from the prison officials, we were able to piece together the method of Rote's escape. Several months before he'd started on the bank robberies, he'd gotten work as a day laborer up at Chino. He'd managed to bury a gun and several hundred dollars in a watertight container in the prison grounds. On his arrival at the prison, he'd waited for the right moment, and then he dug up the weapon and the money and made a break. He'd picked Sunday, a day when the prison grounds were crowded with visitors. Fortunately, there'd been no one hurt when Rhoda had escaped. However, we knew he was armed and he was to be considered dangerous. Two days after his escape, a man answering his description held up a grocery store. From the clerk, we obtained a positive identification of Rhoda. The next day, he hit again. This time, he beat one of the clerks in the store when the man refused to open the cash register. 
Additional information was forwarded to all law enforcement agencies throughout the area. Rhodes' picture was carried on the police television show, and the daily newspapers cooperated and carried his likeness and description. Calls began to come into the complaint board from people who thought they'd seen the suspect. In each instance, the information was checked out, and several of the reports appeared authentic. On Wednesday, March 4th, we got a call from Calvin Niles, the bartender who'd given us the original information on Rhodes. Frank and I drove out to see him. I tried to hold him here, tried my darndest, but he wouldn't go for it. Mm-hmm. Did you talk to him at all? Yeah, I had a couple of words. What about? Mainly about the fight he had before he got him. You know, when he broke up the place? Mm-hmm. Talked about that. He said he was sorry about it. Told me the other fellow caused it. Mm-hmm. Said he'd like to be able to pay for it, but he didn't have the money. I thought he was going to hit me up for a loan. The way he acted and all. Thought sure he wanted to make a touch. Did he say anything at all about where he was staying? Not a word. Didn't give you any indication nope. at all? Was he driving a car? Not that I could see. When he walked out, I went over to the door to see if I could spot anything. But by the time I got out from behind the bar, he disappeared. Is there a cab stand around here? A couple of blocks up the street. Think he might have taken a taxi? We'll check it. I don't think he could have gotten that far in the time it took me to get to the door. I can see that far, and I didn't see him. Mm-hmm. I don't think he took a taxi. Did he come in alone? As far as I could tell, he came in, sat down, ordered a highball, drank it up and left. I don't think he was here more than five minutes, also. But you're pretty sure there wasn't anybody with him, are you? Yeah, I had been. I'd have seen him. Did he look like he was going to meet anybody here? Not especially. Give you any reason for coming in? Not right out, he didn't. How do you mean? Lucky I did it now, I guess. I didn't plan it that way. What's that? I told you I thought he wanted to make a touch. Yeah. I told him I'd just taken the money to the bank, dropped it in the night depository, said I'd cleaned the place out. He left right after that? Yeah, finished up his drink and walked out. Sure got a lot of nerve, if you ask me. What do you mean? Well, he comes in the place once, breaks it up, then comes back to try to hold it up. Well, you're not sure about that, are you? As far as I'm concerned, that's what he came in for. Can you give us a description of what he was wearing? Uh, plain blue suit. Looked like it was gabardine. Two-button. How about a hat? No, he wasn't wearing one. Had on a white shirt, black-knit tie. You know, the narrow kind. One of those little stick pins shaped like a little ladybug. You know the kind I mean? Yes, sir. One of those. All right, Mr. Niles, if anything more comes up, we'd appreciate a call from you. You got it. I'll tell you one thing, Sergeant. What's that? After that fight, I did just about everything I could to help business, help pay for the damage. Yes, sir. This is one customer I want to lose. For the next two days, the search for the suspect went on. Roaming houses where he might have been staying were checked. Friends and relatives were interrogated. Al Gayton down in San Diego was notified, and he alerted the authorities at the border in the event Rote tried to escape into Mexico. In the meantime, a rolling stakeout was set up in the area where the thief had been hitting. Two more days passed without activity. On Monday, March 9th, Frank and I were in Unit 1K80, cruising on West Pico. Sure is a quiet night. Yeah. Be glad when it's over. I'll get home and hit the sack. How you coming with the books? Huh? Oh, you mean for the sergeant exam? Yeah. Oh, pretty good. All units, attention, all units. A 211 has just occurred at the grocery store at the corner of Pico Boulevard and Ottawa Street. Unit 1R13, handle the call, code 3. Better hit it. Yeah.
Pike Road, doesn't it? Yeah. Hang on. Here's Pico. The car that just passed us. Yeah? Dark Chrysler sedan, dented left fender. You better check it. Right. Hold it. It's taking off. You better lean on it. Doesn't look like he's going to stop. Watch it, Frank. The streetcar. and violation of Section 4530 PC escape. Robbery in the first degree is punishable by imprisonment in the state penitentiary for a period of not less than five years. Escape from a state prison is punishable by imprisonment for a period of not less than one year. Said second term of imprisonment to commence from the time the prisoner would otherwise have been discharged from said prison. You have just heard Dragnet, the authentic story of your police force in action, and starring Jack Webb, a presentation of the United States Armed Forces Radio Service. Thanks for joining us at 1001 Radio Days, your home for the best of Golden Age Radio, when radio was king. If you enjoyed tonight's show, please do take a moment and send us a review. We always appreciate reviews, and they help new listeners find us. Until next time, this is your host, John Hagedorn. Stay safe, and we'll be back soon at 1001 Radio Days. And one note, don't forget to pick up 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. That's 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. This is your host, John Hagedorn, and we'll be back soon.